Hey, this is Randy Robinson, and I'm the pastor of Everyday Church. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope this podcast encourages you, stretches your faith, and helps lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Let's do it. Man, could you imagine if I stop picking on him, how much better he'll speak about me? Thank you, Pastor. Wow. You know, with God, there's never, ever a coincidence. Everything that God does has been ordained from the foundations of the world and before. So isn't that interesting that today when we're going to be talking about worship, we get this beautiful rain and the presence of God is so obvious in this place. I mean, think about it. You know, in the Bible, it talks about the latter rain. So personally, when I hear the rains like that, that's, that's where my mind goes, you know? It's like God is pouring his glory upon us. And then the computers go out, right? But guess what? God still shows up. Amen. Amen? So, you know, you can take the computers, you can take the guitars, everything. God will always show up, and his glory will always be here when we come together. Amen? Amen. So I'm telling you, man, I'm just so... So excited because I was sitting there and even my wife turned over and she looked at me and she said, wow, I mean, look what's happening here. The, the worship, the praise, the adoration. And we're talking about that today. Isn't that amazing? What a mighty God we serve. Amen. Amen. Well, let me tell you, a couple of weeks ago uh, in July, Pastor takes uh, some breathing time from preaching and uh, he schedules different people to come up and speak. And uh, when he told me about three weeks ago that I was speaking today, uh, I'm the kind of person that when I get up here, I love it. But for the first couple of minutes, you always get that nut, nut in your gut, you know, because it's like, I got to speak in front of people, you know. But, uh, but then the Holy Spirit does what he does so beautifully. And uh, I want to challenge you. And I think about my brother Lou over there because we were talking one time and he's like, I will never get up there and talk, you know, because the nerves get to you. I, I did a little research on, uh, on the Internet and the Washington Post did a survey a few years back and can you believe that they went through the top 10 fears of, of people? And they talk about bugs. They talk about ghosts. They, they, they talk about zombies. Believe it or not, people are afraid of zombies. Uh, if you're here today and you're afraid of zombies, let me tell you one big thing. They're not real. <laughs> okay, anyway. But the top two fears in, in a lot of the studies that I was reading are death and speaking in public. And some people said that they'd rather die than to get a microphone and speak in front of people. So why do I say that? Does that have anything to do with my message? Absolutely not. But I say that because so many times God puts something in your heart and we allow those nerves to stop you from delivering what God has given you. So my encouragement to you uh, is that when God speaks in your life and he gives you something to share, just share it. Yes. Just share it. Like uh, Joyce Myers says, do it afraid. Do it afraid. Now, like Pastor already said, uh, I'm going to be speaking on worship. Uh, I told the pastor this morning, I said, you know, after I decided to speak on, on, on this topic, I realized that pastor has been a praise and worship leader, praise and worship pastor for over 20 years. I should have let him speak about worship, you know, but uh, praise the Lord, here we are. So now, I've been thinking about praise and worship, and if you're anything like me, you know, we think that praise is worship and worship is praise. At least a lot of people that I talk to, that's, you know, when, when they do the singing, it's praise and worship. So I decided to just do some biblical research. And uh, I want to I tell you a few points that I found out and to help you out with this because it definitely helped me. You probably heard people say that praise is about God and worship is to God. 
or that maybe you heard that praise is opening up and worship is entering in, or praise is boldly declaring and worship is humbly bowing in the presence of the Holy God. Praise applauds what God has done, and worship honors the one who did it. So praise and worship, bottom line, is, is they go together. Amen? Because when you enter into adoration, when you enter into praise, into song, and this is a, a good point, if your heart is in it, okay? Because let me give you, let me give you a, a pointer. If your heart is not in it, all you're doing is uttering words. You need to make sure your heart is in it when you get into praise and worship. So when you enter into praise and worship, I believe that praise and worship are married. I believe that praise and worship go together. So when I speak today to you, and I got some definitions that I want to share before we get into the uh, meat of the message, I want you to realize that some verses apply to praise and others to worship, but because they go together, okay, I included them all in this message. So let's get into it. Now, because we're speaking about worship today, we're going to be speaking about King David, one of the greatest worshipers of the times. So why should we worship God? Hmm. You probably know the answer because of who he is. Amen. He is our God. He is our king. But I'm going to just share a couple of verses with you about worship and why we are to worship God. Exodus 34, 14 says that you shall worship no other God for the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. Luke 4, 8, when Jesus was being tempted and the devil was going through the temptations of Christ, Jesus answered and said to Satan, get behind me, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Psalm 29, 2, it says, give unto the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. So the Bible is very clear about the fact that we are to worship God. God does not want to be substituted by anything. God wants to be first in your life and foremost. Amen. He is God. He created you, okay? He saved you. Jesus died on the cross for you. He wants to be worshipped. So, so it's not a point about who do we have to worship. It's very clear in the Word of God that we are to worship God. But I want to talk today a little bit about what does worship do for you and for me? Because obviously we know that God is worthy to be worshipped and He's worthy of all praise. Now before we get into talking about uh, David and some other scriptures, I always... Try to look definitions. And I found quite a few Hebrew and Greek words that, that define praise and worship. And I want to share them quickly with you. And uh, on a side note, let me, let me on a side note here. I know that we took longer for praise and worship. I know that we took longer to start the service because of the computer issues. But you know what? I think we need to get rid of the time that we have to come to church. Amen? Amen. I've been in some church services that lasted five hours. If you ever go to Jamaica, Mexico, Honduras, there's church services five hours. And can I tell you something? Because the glory of God was present. Who cares about the time? So get that out of your mind and rejoice that you are in the presence of God. Amen. All right. Anyway, moving back up. So some of the Hebrew words uh, that we define worship is, and I'm going to probably murder these words because I'm not Hebrew. I don't speak Hebrew or Greek, but uh, some are, one of them is shaka. That means to bow down or to prostrate yourself in homage, like you were doing this morning. You were on your face. That is to be prostrate. My English, you know, but so, so to be prostrate before the Lord. This is to, to give special honor or respect or tribute. In other words, tehillah. Tehillah, not tequila, but tehillah. <laughs> tehillah is to sing spontaneously from your heart directly to God. Because if you get into tequila, you don't sing to the Lord. You sing to other people. I don't know. That was not in my notes, by the way, so... Praise the Lord. 
Another word is barak, which is to kneel in adoration. Halal, to be boastful, to praise, to shine, to wildly boast about what God has done. Then you got todah, to thank God with an attitude of adoration, with hands lifted up. This is why we raise our hands. Listen, we don't try to push you and say, come on, put your hands up because we want it to look really holy or anything like that. It's because God is worthy. It's because of who he is. Now, on the Greek side, okay, you got Greek words like sebomai, which means to adore, to revere. Latru or latro, which is to minister to God, to serve, to do acts of service, demonstrating your allegiance to the Lord. You got eusebio, which is to act in a pious or reverent or devotional manner to show respect to the Lord. William Temple, he was an archbishop of the Canterbury Church in the 1940s. Uh, he said this, and I'm quoting him right now. He said, to worship is to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to feed the mind with the truth of God, to purge the imagination by the beauty of God, to open the heart to the love of God, and to devote the will to the purpose of God. I mean, that's pretty deep, amen? Okay, come on. I mean, if I say amen, you, amen. Come on, you got to help me out here now. So, so as we can see, you know, God is worthy, okay, to be praised. God is worthy to be worshipped. And it is obvious that we need to worship God. The Bible tells us all throughout. When I was doing what I do when I prepare for a message, I start getting scriptures and I look at people's comments, like that comment from the, the Church of Canterbury, what he said about worship. And I start putting it all in my notes and when I, when I got done with my first draft, I had over 20 pages of notes. So you better say, praise the Lord that he didn't keep 20 pages, because you'll be here until 5 o'clock, and we'll just keep right over to the meeting, you know. So, but, but that's how much the Bible talks about worship. It's amazing. So we need to, you know, just to believe and to see the amazing things that God says about his word. So anyway, so yes, we need to worship, but is worship only our devotion and adoration of God and to God, or are there other benefits to worship? And that's why we're here today. And I know that, yes, there are other benefits to worship, and that's what we're going to talk about. Now, just a few, just to name a few, and I will repeat some of this, because I know you guys are taking notes. Oh, yeah, I see notebooks everywhere, and I see the pens everywhere. Faith. And, you know, you need to hear this more than once, because I want it to stay in your heart. So worship invites the presence of God. Worship brings victory into your life. Worship brings deliverance from the enemies. And we'll talk about that when we get with David in a minute. Worship satisfies the soul. It repels depression. It brings liberty. Okay? It brings joy. It draws others to God. Why? Because they see God in you. They see God in you. It strengthens our faith, brings us closer to God, and it will change your life forever. Let me tell you something. In the society that we live now, social media, you hear a lot about, about people being bullied. You hear a lot about depression. You hear a lot about mental illness. Let me tell you something. If depression comes your way and you start worshiping the Creator, depression will leave. Hallelujah. That's the kind of God we serve. So if the spirit of depression comes over your life, you just speak against that spirit. You stand up and you just start worshiping God. You just start telling him how good you are, Lord. Oh, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. And you keep quoting scripture, quoting scripture, quoting scripture. And before you know it, you know what? It's like, hey, where's the pressure? The pressure is gone. Amen? Come on. So anyway, I don't know where I'm at. I always do this. I get, I get so excited. I forget about where I'm at. So we already talked about 
about the benefits of worship. Let's talk about King David. I love the story of David. And, and we're going to read a little bit about it, and we're going to read some of his psalms and how powerful. But I, the reason I love the stories of David is because how God always called him a man after my own heart. Amen. Now, David, a man after his own heart, was a true worshiper. Now listen, he was not a true worshiper because he was perfect. He was a true worshiper because he knew who God was and because he dedicated his life to worshiping the living God. So this is not about perfection. So by human standards, David should have never been king. He was a little guy. His brothers were bigger, built up. I mean, his brothers, apparently from what the word says, that when Samuel saw the first son of Jesse, he was like, whoa, this is the king. I mean, he must have been impressive. David, of course, you know where he was. He was out there tending sheep. So I'm going to start in 1 Samuel 16, verses 6 through 13. And this begins where Samuel went to the house of Jesse. And he's about to interview all of Jesse's sons. So it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, Surely this is the Lord's anointed. That's the first son of Jesse. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him, said the Lord. For the Lord does not see a man as a man sees him. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen this. Samuel then said to Jesse, do you have anybody else? And he says, well, you know, <laughs> I do have the, the runt of the litter out there, you know. And uh, Samuel basically says, bring him in. They brought him in and it says that Jesse sent to him and he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Isn't that amazing? Now, Samuel went through all of Jesse's sons and did not find the next king of Israel. He asked Jesse if they were all his sons, and he told him, well, David's out there. And what was David doing? He says, David is out there tending sheep. Side note, are you ready? David was taking care of his father's business before he got promoted. Now listen to me. David was doing what his father had asked him to do. Whatever God has placed in your life, whatever, wherever God has you right now, I don't care if it's cleaning bathrooms, you understand? Whatever God has you doing, if you're taking care of your father's business, he will take care of your promotion. He will take care of your finances. He will take care of your needs, amen? Because that's the kind of God we serve. David is out there just worshiping God and taking care of sheep. And here comes the prophet. Whoa, you are the next king of Israel. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? That's another Bible study, amen? Woo, taking care of the, the father's business, that's another business. So anyway, so God called him and anointed. It's just God is so awesome, ain't it? So God called him and, and he was anointed as the next king. David was doing something that most of us would think is beneath us. What do you mean? You want me to take care of sheep and goats and, you know, come on, that's smelly. But he did it and he did it with pleasure. Now, I want to move to 1 Samuel 17 and I'll set up the scene for you. Now, David has already been anointed by Samuel. And David goes to where Goliath and the Philistines are. And David, he sees what's going on. 
And he's got mm, that in there, right? So David says, okay, I'm going to talk to the king. I'm going to go to King Saul and let him know I'll take care of this guy. So that's what we check in in 1 Samuel 17, verses 32 through 37. David says to Saul, don't worry about this Philistine. I will go and fight him. <laughs> Saul looks at him and he says, you are ridiculous. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You are only a boy and he's been a man of war since his youth. See, in the natural, there was no way that David could ever defeat this guy. Now listen, according to the Bible, this guy was about 10 feet tall. His helmet weighs dozen, 30, 40, 50 pounds. I mean, this guy was a trained soldier, humongous to anybody that stood beside him. The whole, tribe of, the whole army of Israel wanted nothing to do with him. But David persisted. And he says to him, he says, I have been taking care of my father's sheep and my father's goats. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club. I mean, that, that takes guts, amen? I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from his mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears and I will do it. Now listen to this young man. And I will do it to this pagan Philistine. Philistine for he has defiled the armies of the living God. Amen. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented and said, go right ahead and may the Lord be with you. Now theologians believe that David was between 13 and 15 years old when he fought Goliath. Now where does a 13 year old get the guts to do something like this? Where does a 13 year old get the faith to do something like this? From adoration. And worship and being in the presence of God. I mean, think about it. For years, I don't know how long, he was out there tending sheep and doing what he was doing. But he knew his living God. He spent the time in the presence of God while he was taking care of business. God was preparing him to be king over Israel. I mean, this is amazing. Between 13 and 15 years old. But he got all that from being in the presence of God. Now, this same David is the same David who later on wrote in Psalm 18.3, and I quote, he says, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. He knew his God and he knew who God was. This is David. I mean, what an awesome man, a true worshiper, a man after a God's own heart. Now think about this. David committed adultery. You know the stories, right? David ordered his, one of his generals to be murdered at the front line. David lied. David did some things that, yes, he paid for. We understand that. He had consequences in his life. But the Lord still looked at him and said, that's my chosen one. That's the king that I have chosen for Israel. That's my anointed one. And that's a man after my own heart. And he penned some of the greatest psalms that we read today. And I want to share a few of those with you. Bless the Lord, says Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Isn't that amazing? This guy knew who God was. On Psalm 68, it says in verse 4 and 5, Sing praises to God and to his name. Sing loud praises to him who rides the clouds. His name is the Lord. Rejoice in his presence. He is the father to the fatherless, the defender of the widows, 
This is God whose dwelling is holy. Hallelujah. This is why we got to adore our living God. This is why we got to worship our living God. Now listen, I know we come together every week and we sing. And like I said, you put your heart in it. You raise your hands. You say hallelujah. Hey, listen, that is beautiful. It's wonderful. Thank you. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. But what are you doing at home? That's where it pays off. Let me tell you something, and I'm not saying this in any braggadocious way or whatever, but because I knew what I was preaching about, I said to the Lord, you know what, Lord, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this this week. All week long, every morning, I quoted that verse, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Every morning, I started quoting scriptures like that. Every morning, I started saying, like, like you know, that now I have the peace, because of Christ died for me, I have the peace of God. Well, I would quote Romans 8.1, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Well, I would quote different scriptures about the holiness, to worship him in the beauty of the holiness. And can I tell you something? I had a great week. But it doesn't mean that what happened to me this week was different. I still did my job. I interviewed people. I did what I had to do. I drove all over Central Florida. Everything that I did was pretty much the same thing I'd done weeks before. But there was a difference because of where my heart was all week long. And that's what worship will do for you. And that's why we need to get back. And you know what? That song we sang last week, that we need to get back to the heart of worship. I didn't say that at the beginning, but God just brought it to my remembrance. There were several things that I, I was looking into. Okay, should I preach on, on this? Should I preach on that? And, and worship was one of them. And then I just kept looking around and I couldn't make up my mind. I kept praying like, God, what do you want me to preach about? And then last week when Pastor sang that song, I was in the back and I heard it. And I heard that line where it says, it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. And right there in the back behind that door, because I was working the back door, my heart just rises up right there. And I said, that's it. That's it. Because we serve a living God. Hallelujah. So let's worship him and praise him all the time. There is power in a life of worship. There is victory in the life of worship. And that's what David knew. That's what David knew. That's why he was so victorious. Now, remember what I told you earlier, how it, it invites the presence of God. It brings victory, brings deliverance, satisfies the soul, repels this depression, and all those things. You only get that from being exposed to the glory of God. A life of worship is a life of victory. A life of worship is a life in the presence of the Most High. Look at what Psalm 22, 3 says. But you are holy, O Lord. You inhabit the praises of your people. I mean, think about that. When you worship the Lord, when you praise the Lord, he inhabits the worship, the praises of his people. I looked up that word in, in, in Hebrew, and it means, it said the word yashab, which means to dwell, to remain, to settle, to sit, to abide. I mean, think about that for just a second, guys. God is sitting with you when you worship. If you have spent any time at all in worship before, you close your eyes, you open your heart, and you start uttering the word of God, and you start declaring the mighty, amazing God that we serve. The peace of God fills the room. The presence of God fills the room. And it is obvious that God is there because he inhabits the praises of your, his people. Now, another thing that worship does, it will change your focus, your perspective, and your circumstances. That's what worship you'll do. When we fix our eyes, listen to this quote, when we fix our eyes on the darkness and the struggles of this life, when we invest our energy to talking and worrying about those things, they only seem to gain stronger grip in our hearts. 
But when we set our attention on worship, we begin to remember who God is. And in the middle of whatever darkness you are going through, worship will break the chains of discouragement. Worship will break doubt. Worship will open the freedom and joy that you need in your life. I mean, worship is the weapon that cuts through the darkest of circumstances to speak to your spirit and remind you of God's truth and power. You guys ever read Psalm 119 from beginning to end? Anybody here ever read Psalm 119 from beginning to end? It takes a while, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> That's a long psalm. Well, I'm not going to read Psalm 19 from beginning to end, so don't worry about that. But I want to read just a few verses that is so amazing about what he quotes in here. This is, he says, seven times a day I praise you because of your righteous judgments. That's what, uh, 164 in Psalm 119, 164. 165 says, great peace have those who love your law and nothing causes them to stumble. Then he says in 169, let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Verse 170, let my supplication come before you. Deliver me according to your word. Let your hand become my help, for I have chosen your precepts. And finally, in verse 175, he said, let my soul live and it shall praise you. These are powerful statements. Now, let me tell you this. God wants you to worship him in your struggle, to worship him in your sickness, to worship him in your depression, to worship him in your doubt, to worship him whatever you are going through. God wants you to worship him because that's how you're going to get victory. You're not going to get victory just by coming to church once a week, two hours, going home and forgetting who God is. You hear me? We live in a society that has addictions like never before. We live in a society that people are so depressed. And you would imagine we are in the information society that we know everything nowadays. But we are so lost outside of Christ. We're so lost outside of Christ. We're gone. We're lost. We don't know what we're doing. But in Christ, we can be found. Amen. Amen. And that's why worship needs to be real in your life. And I challenge you. I mean, you may be sitting there right now and you say, well, but you don't understand how busy I am. Well, yeah, I understand how busy you are. But let me tell you something. You better start worshiping the Lord. Now, listen, worship when you struggle, please. Worship when you mourn. Hallelujah. Now, I know from experience from talking to people that when you share a message about this, about you need to do this, or you should be doing this, you should be doing that, there's people who will say, but you don't know my circumstances. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know my husband. You don't know my wife. You don't know the family that I came from. You don't know my addictions. You don't know my struggles. But you know what? I have no idea what you're going about, what you're going through. Amen? But he does. He does. If you would just trust the Lord, he tells you to trust him. He challenges you to trust him. I would rather even say, he dares you to trust him. And what do we do? Nah. We think that we know what we're doing. And when you run your face into a wall and you have nowhere else to go, you're going to realize that only in him you will have that peace. Hallelujah. Now, we serve a sovereign God. Amen? So remember when I made that statement about, well, Lewis, you don't know what I'm going through. And he does, is because he's sovereign. He knows everything. Our God has seen everything you're going through and everything you will ever go through. And he declares that you're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And did you hear that? Only this sister heard it over here. I mean, did you hear that you're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus, our Lord? Regardless of what you're going through? All right, thank you, because we need to wake up a little bit. Come on. 
Hallelujah. So he sees everything you're going through. And he declares that. Now the enemy, listen, the enemy loves to give you labels. All right? And we let him. The enemy says, you're good for nothing. The enemy says, you're always going to be addicted. The enemy says, you will never succeed in life. The enemy will say, you're always going to be sick. The enemy will say, you're always going to fail. Can I tell you something? We need to rise up. We need to rise up. And when the devil comes to you and he tells you who you are according to him, you need to tell him there's only one name that I answer to, and that is a chosen child of God. That's what I answer to, being chosen by the Lord. Because that's what you are. I mean, I don't know if you realize this or not, but before the foundations of the world, he said, you're mine. Mike, Mike, think about that. Before the earth was ever created, he knew you. Cliff, before the earth was ever created, he knew you. And he knew you'd be here today. And he knew what you were going to be going through. And he says, you're still victorious. You're still victorious. What happens is we concentrate on the here and now. Instead of concentrating on him and the eternal. You know, uh, I think it was Joyce Meyer or somebody on TV that they took a, a can of spray, like, like hairspray, and they went, Psst, and they said, that's your life. Huh? Here, yes. It's like a vapor, says the word of God, amen? Your life is, Psst, that's it. And then I saw another guy who, who got this rope that it was like, I mean, I, he must have paid a lot of money because this rope was so long. It was real thick and so long. And on the tip of the rope, he painted the tip like half an inch of the, of the rope. He painted it red. He was a youth pastor. And the rest of the two, three hundred feet of rope, he painted it white. And he had the, the rope going out the door. I mean, you couldn't even see the end of the rope. And he picked it up and he said, you see this little red quarter of an inch? This is your life. You see this rope all the way through? That's eternity. What you're going through is nothing. When you look at it in the light of eternity. And you know what? As bad as it looks, when you worship the king, you'll go through it. Amen. See, why do you think that, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but I, I don't care. It's just the right time to do this. Is why, don't you, why do you think that in Psalm 23 it says that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. The Bible prophesies that you will walk through valleys. But that's the point. You will walk through them. Okay? You will walk through them. Amen? You will make it. Hallelujah. Come on. And God, and the beauty of it all is that when you are walking through that valley of the shadow of death, He's right there with you. And you've seen the footprints in the sand. They have all this cute little stuff that they say that when you only saw one pair of steps, that was me picking you up and carrying you, right? You've seen that if you've been around for a while. Well, you know what? He's right there. He promises that. And that's why the eternal perspective of things is what we need, not the natural perspective of things. Because when you concentrate on the here and now, it's like, I like to call it a plum party. Poor little Omi, plum. I don't, know if that's, I don't know if that's right or not, but I like it. That's what you do. You concentrate on yourself and your issues, your problems, your struggles, and you forget about the mighty living God that we serve. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord. Hmm. What a great verse, amen. You know it. You've been around. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Amen. 
I looked up that word. Trust in the Hebrew. You know what it means? To be secure. Yeah. To be confident. Yes. That's the God we serve. Yes. He says, you can be secured in me. You can be confident in me. I will carry you through it. Now, listen. This doesn't mean that we ignore what we're going through. I understand, okay? I mean, I know that illnesses are real, okay? I know depression is real. I know heartbreak is real. I mean, if you're old enough in here, well, actually, if you breathe, you probably have been through heartbreak. Okay? But let me tell you one of the beauties of getting older, and I'm only 29, by the way, but this is when you live a rough rough life makes you look older. Shouldn't lie from the altar, should I? But when you get older, you can do what young people can't. When you get older, you can do this. You can turn around, and you can see where your life has been. You can look back and you can say, you know what, when I, went through that, when I went through that divorce and I thought my life was over, God was there with me. When I lost my loved one and I thought there was nothing else to live for, God was with me. That's the beauty of getting older. You can turn around and you can see the hand of God everywhere in your life where you thought that he had abandoned you. He was right there with you. Amen. That's the kind of God we serve and we must trust in him. Hallelujah. Whoo! God is good, ain't it? Yeah. We got a couple more hours, don't we? Let me make myself comfortable. <laughs> oh, my wife's going, five minutes, five minutes. <laughs> uh, hey, I have skipped through a lot because I knew that the pastor took forever, but no. <laughs> and, and by the way, it's okay if you take forever because we should never, ever, ever rush the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. That's why we need to be flexible with our time. Most of us, if we're not out of church by 1130, we get mad. Come on. (laughs) I think one of these days we should keep you here until three, just worshiping God. (laughs) Everybody wants to go, go, and we just, woo, come on. Yeah. Yeah, I got a couple of people. Let's do it. Let's do it. I mean, hey, I've been saved. I I was saved when I was 15 just a few weeks ago, okay? So, So, I mean, when I got saved, we didn't have microphones. We, in Puerto Rico, we met under a tree. And the, and the chairs were tree trunks that they had cut and put in semicircle. And we worshiped God in the rain and in the sun. We didn't have electronics, but you know what? The glory of God descended on that place. Amen. What I'm trying to say is that, yes, it's great to be in a room with air conditioner. Yes, it's great to have the words plastered over the TVs. But you know what? If we don't have it, who cares? Because God is still going to show up. Amen. So we're going to have a long service one of these days. Pastor is like, wait until I come back from vacation, please. Hallelujah. Woo! Anyway, whew, praise the Lord. I'm almost done, honey. That's her, not you. <laughs> yeah, no, she goes. <laughs> this is why Pastor only asked me to speak once a year because he knows. Ooh. No. <laughs> All right. Getting back to very important here. I challenge you, seriously. Examine yourself before God. Live a life of worship. Now, the Bible says that we should live a life worthy of our calling. Amen. And we should live that life also worthy of who he is. A life of worship. I want you to wake up every day this week and worship the Lord. Listen, maybe you get up in a hurry. The alarm clock sounds. You jump in the shower. You're out of the door. So what? Do it while you're driving. It's not going to kill you. Now, don't do what I did one time. This is before we met, honey. I was going, I used to live in Donellan before Ellen and I got married, and uh, I was part of Meadowbrook Church, and I remember a man from our men's group calls me one time, and I'm driving, 
Westbound on Highway 40 going into Donnellan. Just, you know, two-lane road, minding my own business. This guy calls me and he says, hey, Louis, can you pray for me? I'm going through issues. <laughs> Be me. And I said, okay, let's pray. I let go of the steering wheel. <laughs> I close my eyes, you know? And it's like, it's like, wait a minute, what am I doing? So don't do that. But when you're going to work, worship the Lord. Amen. Amen? Put that music on and just glorify the Father. And know that he is with you. Hallelujah. Did we ever, did we read Isaiah 41.10 yet or not? No? Okay. So like I said, I, I, I get lost on my nose sometimes, but that's okay because God is awesome. Only when we worship our living God, we will find true peace in the middle of suffering. Amen. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So I challenge you to live that life, Pastor. We, we, we could use some of that amazing music. I still got three pages, but I'm cutting it down a little bit, all right? Blessed be in the name of the Lord. Because you know what? Bottom line is that he's an amazing God, and he's taught us today to worship. If your heart is broken, Psalm 147 says that he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. If you've been sick, Isaiah says that by his stripes we've been healed. If you've been depressed, Nehemiah 8.10 says, Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. His word is full of promises like this. Find them. Speak them. Learn them. Wake up every day and praise the Lord. Concentrate on Him. Know what you're going through. And you will see the victory coming out of that dark, dark, dark valley. We know that all things we go through are not good. But we also know that He promises that He will work it all out for our good. And man, you know what? You may not even understand what's going on in your life right now. But He does. And He promises that He will work it up. Now, I want to read a few excerpts from Isaiah 61 as I close. Beautiful, beautiful scripture. And I want you to hear the Word of God. Isaiah 61 through 3 says, The Spirit of the Lord... Well, before I read it, I want to remind you, Jesus went to the temple and he picked up the scroll. It was his time to read. And he opened, he picked up the scroll to the book of Isaiah and he opened it and he read. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison doors to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn to console those who mourn in Zion to give them beauty for ashes the oil of joy for mourning the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they may be called trees of righteousness the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified and then verse 10 through 11 of the same chapter says I will greatly rejoice in the Lord my soul shall be joyful in my God for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation he has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns himself with jewels for as the earth brings forth its bud and as the garden causes the things that are sown into it to spring forth so shall the Lord God cause righteousness and praise 
to spring forth before all the nations. That is the God that you and I serve. Now, before I close, obviously this message is geared to the believer more than anything else. And if you're sitting here today and, and you have, you're like, well, I don't, I don't know if that's for me. Because you know you're not right with God. I just want to take this minute and let you know that Jesus loves you. He died for you. If you don't mind, just bow your heads where you are right there. Just for a second, a few seconds. If you're sitting here today and you can honestly say from your chair right there, you can say, Louis, I need to reconcile with God. I want to get saved. I want to receive this, His goodness. I want to receive His forgiveness. I just want to challenge you to raise your hand right there where you are. Just raise your hand and let me know, just a sign between you and me, nobody else, that today you're making a decision for Christ. Thank you. God is awesome. God loves you. Now every eye open now. Thank you for that moment. I want to read one more scripture and then I'm going to let you go. Listen to what the word of God says as I close in Isaiah 41, 13. It says, For I, the Lord, your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, Fear not, I will help you. That's all I need to know. Amen? That's all I need to know. That's the kind of God we serve. Fix your eyes upon Him. Let's pray. On behalf of Pastor Randy and the entire staff at Everyday Church, we'd like to thank you for joining us today. For more information on the church, please visit us at everydaychurch.xyz.